0: So Money Episode 660 Josh Sunquist Paralympian and Motivational Speaker
1: You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Torabi. Each day get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money.
0: You're listening to So Money. Welcome to the show. I uh, wanted to share a really cool review that I got recently on iTunes. Well, at least part of it. Um, it seems to be a recurring thing that people really appreciate on this show, and that is the brevity of of the intros and also the fact that I just get right to the task at hand which is to just ask my guests as many money questions as I can pick their brains about finance and their personal experiences I don't do a lot of chit chat but I hope you still find the show conversational I you know try to make this as laid back as possible. But I really appreciated that uh, feedback because sometimes with these intros about like the one I'm about to do now, I feel like I'm I'm sharing too much. I want you to get to the episode already, Farnoosh. Uh, I, so I have that voice in my head. And so without further ado, here's a really quick way to introduce our guest today. You're going to love him. His name is Josh Sunquist, And when he was nine years old, he was diagnosed with a rare bone cancer, told he had just a 50% chance of living. From there, he spent one year undergoing chemotherapy and eventually had to have his leg amputated. The doctors, though, declared him cancer-free four years later, and then three years after that, guess what? He was training as a ski racer. Today, he is a Paralympian, and he has an absolutely remarkable story. He has competed in the Paralympics, Josh is also a motivational speaker and author of the bestseller "Just Don't Fall. And earlier this season he shot a really cool video with our mutual brand partner, Chase. It was really inspiring, and if you go to Somoneypodcast.com, you can grab the link to watch it. Here is Josh Sunquist. Josh Sunquist, welcome to So Money. It's great to connect with you.
1: Likewise, thanks for having me.
0: You wear many hats, Josh. Um, mm-hmm. Let me go through your quick resume. You're about Josh on your site. It's just incredible. You're one of the most heroic people probably to ever cross this podcast. Uh, so you're a cancer survivor. And uh, this is something that you um, went through as a child. You were cured at age 13. However, this did leave your leg amputated. I'm just blown away by the fact that just three years later, you took up skiing, ski racing. I don't know many teenagers who would have that sort of mindset and that that ambition. But we'll talk about that. I want to know more about that moment in your life. From there, you went on to become a Paralympic athlete. You trained uh, for the next six years, and you were named to the U.S. Paralympic ski team. And uh, that was in Torino, Italy. You're a best-selling author. Your memoir is called Just Don't Fall. <laughs> My gosh. Oh. You really know how to find the humor in life, which... Mm-hmm. I also want to ask you about because I think that's uh, that is not that is a gift that is an absolute gift, and the book went on to become a national bestseller. You're on the internet; you call yourself an internet person. <laughs> <laughs> People Magazine actually called you social media uh, a social media power list member this year. Yeah. And you're philanthropic. You're a national spokesperson for the combined federal campaign um, that raises over three hundred million dollars. A year for charities and you've been all over the media you're also a chase slate partner like I am you uh, just filmed this incredible video uh, highlighting your life and your connection to chase slate and you know the list goes on but that's that's the short list and so where do we begin I think I want to start back to your childhood if we may when you were diagnosed with this rare form of bone cancer you had a 50% chance to live you were what, 10 years old, 11 years? I don't know. How old were you?
1: Yeah, I was, I was nine when I was actually diagnosed with cancer.
0: And so take us back to that childhood. Like what was going on in your mind? And when you were ultimately cured, what was your first thought? Was it that I want to make the most of this gift of life that I've been given? Or uh, was it more of like a, a, a transition into that mindset that you had to sort of had to work on yourself a little bit?
1: When I was first diagnosed with the cancer, I think my first thought was that it meant I was going to die because the only thing I knew about cancer as a nine-year-old was that my grandfather had died of cancer. So that was very, I guess, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, just like it's horrible. But yeah, I mean, it's weird in retrospect because it turned out I had actually a type of cancer that gave me a 50% chance of survival, which you know, to us as adults, like we would say, that's not a really great prognosis. But in the moment, I was like, Oh, like a 50% chance I could live like, that's good news. And uh, as far as the second part of your question, when I eventually finished, which was almost exactly a year later, I guess I was finished with the chemotherapy. This was after the amputation, of course, I think my goal had been just to return to the things that I think we probably take for granted, typically as health, healthy people, like having hair, having energy, like not being sick, not having to go into the hospital for uh, like basically one week out of every three. I think that those were the things I was looking for, sort of a return to what we might call normal things, but things that sounded really, uh, really great. Uh, you know, when you when you actually are on chemotherapy and have cancer sort of looming over you
0: looking at your entire body of work and you're just a young guy, I mean, you have so many more years ahead of you. It seems like you have this tenacity for life, this courage, this determination, and it, it perhaps was surfacing more and more as a as a young person. But do you think that you have something special in you that that allowed you to look at life in a different way?
1: If I do, I would say that as a nine-year-old, it was entirely... From my parents, like I don't think as as a child you can you you can be be taking credit for like I don't know who you are as a person. It's not like you've made a bunch of life choices at that point uh, to sort of like develop into um, into that nine year old. So I, I think my parents were amazing, and I uh, I was a product of their love and their support and what they had instilled in me. And so to the extent that. I maybe had a a positive response or a a healthy a psychological outcome from the disease. I would say that it was because of them.
0: And not only a, a healthy outlook on life, you have a very you have a good sense of humor, you know, which again is a gift. I think not everybody has that. And not only do you have a good sense of humor, you are great at making people laugh. When did the turn to comedy and then speaking? happen um, and what do you, what makes you laugh hmm.
1: um, I started giving speeches as a fun i guess like i was I was giving speeches at fundraisers for my children 's hospital, and I started doing that essentially while I was still on the chemotherapy, so you know like when i was I was ten years old. And I just sort of never stopped and and I still give speeches today, and that's still like my, my primary job, I would say, but as far as a sense of humor I think uh I think that I very quickly after the amputation was fortunate enough to see that there could be a humorous side to what is otherwise a very negative situation. I don't think that was an an immediate Immediate thing that came out in my speeches—that is, I don't think like my speeches were particularly funny for for many years. I I think that as a as a performer or or, you know as a comedian specifically, I think that you have to figure out over time like what like what what's your voice comedically, like what makes you funny, and if you think of like a Venn diagram overlap, like on one circle it's like what what is funny to you? And the other one is like, what's funny to other people and where do those things overlap? And like that little overlap is your comedic voice. Like that's your space as a comedian. But I think that takes, at least for me, a lot of years to find that space.
0: And over the years, you've been developing such a following for yourself. I'm looking at your YouTube page. You've got over 25, no, 29 million views of your, just your under 500 videos have earned over 29.5 million views. Your your books have gone on to become bestsellers books. I mentioned only one of them in the beginning, but you know, you've got, um, we should hang out sometime. Your second memoir about your adolescent dating disasters that's under development to become a movie you have a novel coming out or maybe it's already come out love in first sight how did you first start getting your voice out there getting comfortable with that voice and building this momentum what were some of the tipping points how did it start to really build momentum and
1: uh you you mean like just my like joshson Quist comma the brand like where yeah (laughs) do
0: you call yourself a brand
1: i think you are yeah i mean yeah well i know i know that i i am I like, I don't, it's not a term I typically use, but, but yeah, like, I, I, like objectively, of course, like what I'm doing is creating a brand and, uh you know, like, I, like that's what I do. And that's what hopefully all of these things, yeah. work Work together to, to do. I don't know. I don't, I don't know that there was, I don't know that there was a tipping point. Like, I don't know if I've hit the tipping point yet or if there ever will be, I feel like it, I feel like when you look at maybe a, when you read someone's bio who perhaps over the years has accomplished a number of things, um, it can, you know, it can appear like, Whoa, like look at all this stuff. Like, you know, whereas to me I look back and it feels much more iterative. Like it feels like, Oh yeah. Like I wrote this first book 10 years ago and it took a long time to write. And then the next book took a number of more years. And so it feels like there's just like lots of little things that I've done along the way. And like, I've published three books, but I've written way more than three books. So it's like, would you read the bio? It was like, wow, like you've you've published three books, but I look at that and they're like, yeah, I've written so many books, and three of them were actually good enough to print. So I, I don't know that there there was like a, some certain like time when all of a sudden everything became great. I feel like it's always a hustle. It's always, it's always hustle. a hustle. Well, it's I a think you're always will be one.
0: I think what I'm learning from you what's what I, what I also believe, and you're a living example of it, is this importance of being prolific in your work, whether that's videos in your case, but you're prolific in so many ways. You're writing, you're, you're speaking, putting yourself out there, your videos. I think that that, to some extent, there is a strategy. It's being prolific and being yourself and connecting with your audience, consistently, but also it's like some of it is just putting it out there. Some of it's going to stick. Some of it's going to fall to the ground. Some of it you'll regret doing. Some of it will take on a life of its own. And that's kind of the magic of it, right? And what has been your favorite part of the life that you've built for yourself? Do you look back and go, this is exactly how I envision things going? Or have you surprised yourself?
1: Like I said, I think that my main job is you know, giving motivational speeches. I don't think that many, like, children grow up thinking, I want to be an inspiration when I grow up, you know, like, professionally. I want to professionally be an inspiration, which, which is kind of what I am. That said, like, when I was... In high school, a motivational speaker came to my high school, and that's when I first kind of realized, like, oh, like giving speeches is a job that people do, and that's and I got super excited about wanting to to do that. So in that sense, uh, yeah, that like this is what what I what I wanted to do, which is um being able to like give speeches, and then of course I like I do a lot of other things, and those were also things that I had um hoped you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like, uh, you don't just kind of like wake up one day and like, Oh wow. Like I accidentally wrote a book, you know, like, it's like that was something that I really wanted to do for like many years and it takes forever, uh, to, to make something like that happen. So, yeah, I, I think in, in answer to your question, um, the, I, f- I feel very privileged to be professionally speaking, doing the things that I've always wanted to do like it's it's not I don't know like it's not like I see what I'm doing now as like a stepping stone to like my secret ultimate end game like I I like
0: I just want to be on dancing with the stars. Yeah yeah
1: exactly thing. that's all I've ever I've ever wanted I'm just trying to get ABC's attention I wish they would see all my smoke signals on social media. No like I I like being I like I mean I like working for myself I I like being an entertainer in a variety of mediums um you know both both As a speaker at conferences, as as a stand-up comedian at comedy clubs, on social media through video, through books, you know, like I I, I guess I I really enjoy uh, entertaining people and hopefully sharing stories that bring meaning to people's lives. And I like that in 2017, technology gives you many options to do that and many options to do that directly to your audience as opposed to through sort of a number of gatekeepers as, um, as it would have been in the past.
0: Mm. I would love to learn how your take on life has worked its way into your financial life. So you obviously have this from what I can tell this really optimistic can do loving spirited take on life. And I want to know how that has informed your your moves in your, in your money life. So let's start with your financial philosophy.
1: I think that I am pr- probably conservative is probably the, the best word I would use to describe my financial In what way? Philosophy. So how does that
0: come, how does that materialize or come to life?
1: Um, definitely a- from my parents. Like, and if I'm conservative, like if I'm conservative, I don't even know like what the right word would be for my parents. Like my parents are, I guess, Maybe here would be two two examples that I think uh, epitomize my parents' philosophy of money. First of all, like my dad's an accountant, so like they're very financially literate. Um, but but they choose to be like very sort of frugal. And I mean, we like every time that we moved, not we moved not that often, but like all of the times that they've moved in my life growing up, like we bought the next house with cash. Like my parents never had any debt, like literally ever. Um, in their lives, which you know, as as you know, is exceptionally unusual. Uh, when so my, my so yeah, one example for each parent. So my mom, uh, so you know, like if you have a mouse in your house, it, you know, there's a variety of ways to deal with it, but like the most common would be like one of those typical mouse traps, like with the the brown, like the I guess it's like a wood base and it has the little like metal thing that yeah. like, that snaps. The Tom
0: and Jerry trap, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, and they cost like fifty cents, and they're meant to be like disposed right because after. After it kills the mouse, the mouse is sort of like the the carcass is all like entangled in this like trap. <sighs> so my mom reuses mouse traps. Like after the mouse is killed.
0: <gasps> no, like, Josh, don't yes. throw your parents under <laughs> are the bus like that.
1: She like extracts the dead <laughs> mouse out of it and like cleans it and like figures out how to reset the trap. Like they're not made to be reused and they literally cost less than a dollar. Like they're so inexpensive. Or my Maybe mom, it's
0: time to call the exterminator. I don't know.
1: Yeah, or my mom, like when she makes shopping lists, uh, you know, on a, a, if it's on lined paper, she writes, she fits two lines of text in between each line, merely to save paper, to ultimately buy less pieces of paper, like long term in her life. Like that's how serious she is.
0: And they're both like this.
1: My dad is like less, less extreme. Frugal, I would say, but he is, uh, you know, he he likes to be savvy and or does not like debt at all, like or or, you know taking on any sort of, I guess, um, you know, major major risk that could cause like financial calamity. Like he, yeah. So an example of of him, we, we were at like a Bob Evans once, eating breakfast, and like many. Restaurants, you know, they bring you like biscuits for free when you sit down for breakfast. So they brought brought these biscuits and my dad was like, oh, are, they, are these like free biscuits? And they're like, yeah. My dad was like, oh, cool. I was wondering, could I substitute my free biscuits for pancakes? What? Yeah. No. Oh, is, dad, you can't. Yeah, we were all like, I think, teenagers at this point. We were like, oh, dad, this is so embarrassing.
0: Instead of getting tap water, could I get some wine? <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
1: exactly. You can't like, you can't substitute the free thing for a thing that costs money. You can't be like, right. oh, I don't want dad. this salt shaker on the table. Can I get a milkshake instead? Like, it's not, the pancakes cost money. The server was like, um, yeah, I guess so. Uh, and, the, and then my dad was like, oh, thank you so much. Could they also be blueberry pancakes? And we were like, "What? I'm like, frugal. why is this stranger sitting at our table?" We're so... Um, so anyway, that's I guess a, a maybe a picture of of my parents. I think my parents were, um, uh, yeah, they're they're very frugal, but like. Frugal. In, in many ways I mean they're they're very smart and very savvy too. I mean I'm very
0: optimistic though to think that you can actually trade in your biscuits for pancakes. Yeah, That's, well I mean
1: you can, as it turns out. Uh Oh they, no way. Yeah, yeah, they they went for it. I mean, like the waitress, like it doesn't you she's know, like, she's working yes. for tips like she wants to, to please <laughs> you, I guess. Like I mean You don't
0: know, like you don't get what you don't ask for.
1: It's so true. Yeah. I mean, what you do get is your children making fun of you for the rest of your life for that. Um for that well, training see, he he did get free pancakes yeah <laughs> so anyway uh, yeah i guess that's that's where my sort of financial uh philosophy you know perspective yeah, yeah, yeah perspective. Not that like good. i don't hopefully i'm not I, you know i'm not exactly like my parents but of course um that's that's where i started uh with them and you know, with them and, and people who to me impressively like yeah um we i you know i, I feel like my dad always had a. A, you know middle-class salary like it's like like above the median national average income but like we, we were by no means like wealthy but uh they bought houses in cash and like they put forth kids through college and that was through being uh very very mindful about like their wow. long-term financial goals and very very into like saving money
0: buying a home with cash that's unbelievable it's
1: crazy right
0: (laughs) when you reflect on your own financial practices your financial life is there an area that you really want to improve upon
1: hmm um i would say that i would want to improve on my like tendency to be anxious or you know like I, i got so it's not i don't know that I have a specific practice. I'm like, Oh man, like, I really need to, (laughs) I don't don't know what an example would be like, I need to stop like buying things on my credit card that I didn't want. Like that's not the problem for me. Like the problem for me is being like, Oh man, like should I, should I buy this? And like, if I buy this, like is it going to be expensive? And then like, what if there's a downturn in the economy tomorrow and no one wants motivational speakers anymore. And then like, I can't, uh, I don't have any income and then we lose our apartment and all of this happens because I bought a soda with lunch. Like that's like, that's the, the sort of the sort of, um, uh, I don't know, catastrophizing, uh, mental habit. That's like, that's probably what I would, what I would change about myself.
0: Well, there's always just paying yourself first. Uh, for me, I, I feel like that is something that I think anyone could experience, but what helps to mitigate that, that frenzy is, for me at least, it's like just making sure that my bases are covered, automatically contributing to the things that are the needs, you know, like things that need to get paid, that need to get saved for, that, you know, need to pay into my retirement accounts. And those just get sort of settled as soon as I get paid. And I, like you, I don't get paid every two weeks. I, I'm an entrepreneur. I freelance. So it's, it's very much like inconsistent, but I've been doing it long enough where I have savings. So I'm not beholden to paychecks being a week late or two weeks late or whatever it is. Uh, But for me, it just helps to know that the boring stuff's taken care of. So when I buy something for myself, when I treat myself, it, I don't have to worry about, well, is this compromising, right? The other things that are more important. Um, I'm sure you're automating a lot, but, um, it's, it's also just Recognizing when it happens in the moment and being like, "This is just me being over," you know. As my friend James Altucher always says, you know, whenever you're afraid or nervous about anything, remember that moment and then check back in with yourself 30 days later or the next day and go, "Did that really matter? You know, did life really change? Did did all my fears come true? Probably not. So it just puts things immediately into perspective."
1: Yeah, totally. And like you said, being, being self-employed is, is weird. Um, because it's like, even if, even if, yeah, you get like a really big check for something, it's like, great. But it, like, am I, em- like, uh, I'm not employed like three months from now. Uh, you know, so it's, there's, yeah, there's, I think a, a lower level of stability, um, that comes with it. Of course, like no job, you know, even if you work for like, the government or a big corporation like it's not like they're promising to pay you for the rest of your life but um but there is like more stability there you know it's like for, for you and i um like people like like someone like a client might be late to pay me you know like because i feel like i try to tell this to people who who have like a right a, a traditional job and they're like well no there's like no guarantee in my job either i'm like okay well like if you're if you're a corporate job, like if they stop paying you your paycheck for six months, like would you keep showing up? No, you wouldn't. Like clients sometimes pay me six months later, I still have to give the speech. Like I can't just not show up to their convention. So, uh, so like I think there's a different uh, uh, sort of like instability to it, and and level of responsibility that you have to take uh, act like proactively in your finances when when you're self-employed. That said, I'm not complaining. I think it's worth it. I enjoy right, what right. I do, and I enjoy working for myself.
0: Exactly. In the end, it, it's a it, it's a net positive. Totally. <laughs> Definitely yeah. net positive. Exact, yeah,
1: exactly how I describe it.
0: What has been your so moneyest moment?
1: <laughs> uh, what what makes something
0: a so money moment? Well, it's kind of open ended. You know, I mean, it's literally it could be it was so money because it was just so much money, uh, or. <laughs> it was, Or it was, you know, in the spirit of it, really, it was just a really amazing moment in life, financially related, that just was either like, you got a big payday, you accomplished a really tough goal, you paid off debt, you know, all of the above, any and all of the above.
1: Hmm. That's a good question. Um, maybe like the so like selling my first book uh you know that that felt like a, a big moment for me because it was i just let's see i think i had just finished grad school and so i at that i, you know, I didn't have any savings i had like a, a, a real a small amount of debt which i think i'd already paid off but I you know i didn't like i didn't have any like net worth um, so it was like and you know I was giving speeches, but like my speeches were basically just paying the bills, so all of a sudden someone wanted to give me like an amount, like a an amount of money it was, so it was like, oh well, like all of a sudden i can I can have savings you know like all of a sudden, there was like this uh this sort of base like a, a you know an, an emergency fund or it's funding for the future or it's it's a house someday or whatever it is and uh and actually i've I have always saved all of the money that I've gotten from my books. Like I've never spent any of it for all three of them. And, uh, so, so I think like that, um, that feeling of like knowing that I was going from, uh, you know, like I hope that like if something bad happens, I hope, I, I don't know how I would pay for it to being in a place where like, Oh, I like, I have a a safety net. I have a cushion in the bank. I think that was like a, uh, a positive like sort of transformation, what, what you would call it a so money moment for me.
0: I love that. You know, Jay Leno never spent any of his tonight show salary and he just lived off of his speaking and comedy and um, you know, cause he would obviously host the tonight show, but he had a whole other career outside of that. That was the income he used to fund his lifestyle and his life. This reminded me of his, of his approach as well to saving it's sort of like compartmentalizing your income. Okay. So this is my, and I do that sometimes. It's, it's fun to do it in your head. It's like a, uh, it's a quick rationalization. Like, okay, mm-hmm. this is going to be my vacation money. This job is going to fund my vacation. This job is going to fund college education and this funds yeah, going, yeah, totally. you know, it's it's uh, it doesn't yeah. always work out that way, but it is uh, kind of a good, shorthand math yeah
1: yeah i mean it's it's hard like uh obviously because like it's imaginary like money is fungible so it's uh it's, it's tricky it's like yeah so sometimes i'll, I'll, I'll like take it like an actual tr- like check and be like i deposit this check and like that exact amount is going into like this this savings or whatever
0: exactly all right josh before we wrap i want to do some quick so money fill in the blanks okay All right. So just first thing that comes to mind, if I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is? Invest it. Oh yeah. In the market, in real estate, in art, what would you invest in?
1: (laughs) Uh, Probably in uh, my favorite form of investment, which is a uh, low risk, well-balanced mutual fund.
0: When I spend money on something that makes my life easier or better, I spend on
1: um I would, I would say just like tech technology generally speaking like specifically um like i don't know i guess like for you know for what i do it's like i guess when, when i like um, the best example would be like a, a computer but uh, like for example you know every year cameras get better footage gets longer and uh to edit it you have to have like better equipment so it's like new cameras and then they require new computers but then together that creates better videos
0: i know technology is one of those things where you can't live without it and sometimes you can't even live with it because it (laughs) it breaks down and it it creates dependency but uh i just upgraded my operating system on my mac Mm -hmm. i feel like i have a whole new computer
1: like it's like it's better or or what it
0: faster, it's more slick, you know there's some interesting shortcuts, you know it's just uh it's a nice way to feel it's like a nice tech refresh,
1: yeah that's that's cool and cheaper than a new computer,
0: yeah, for sure. when I donate, I like to give to blank because
1: I usually give to children's health related causes just because I feel like those are the causes that saved my life when I was a child so there is a lot of um, personal meaning there
0: and one thing i wish i learned about money growing up is
1: i wish i had known earlier that to establish credit you need a credit card like my parents like i said are pretty anti-debt so they were they're also like not particularly pro-credit card so unfortunately like while i was in college i realized like oh if i eventually want to have credit i need credit history and to do that i need a credit card um but you know like i I think it is very smart for people who like as soon as they are legally able to uh to get credit cards assuming that they are also like responsible enough to like not carry a debt like to pay it off every month just because then like later on uh you you know when I don't know if you get one when you're 18 when you're 28 you have 10 years of credit like that's awesome.
0: When did you open your first credit card?
1: I think it was right uh toward like at the at the end of college I think. So yeah, I mean it was probably like 20 one or so
0: well nowadays you have to wait till you're 21 or you have to have a job that proves you can make those payments which few kids have or you got to get a co-signer which is mom or dad and sometimes mom and dad are reluctant yeah certainly when i was in college you could have opened one i don't know first day of college
1: yeah totally. Yeah. (laughs) usually
0: would come with some nice tchotchkes all right last but not least i'm josh sunquist i'm so money because
1: i guess because uh i've um, really great relationships with uh, with my, my wife and my friends and, and my family. And I think that is what makes life meaningful.
0: Josh, thank you so much for being a, a wonderful role model, for taking the time to be on this show. And I look forward to seeing your book turn into a movie. When is is that is that happening for real? That's amazing.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I mean... Uh, statistically, um, probability would say no, where, but you never know, I guess.
0: <laughs> where are you in that process? I know it takes years and challenges, but, but what, where are you in that process?
1: Yeah. So it's like my second book, we should hang out sometime and there, um, yeah, there's a script, uh, it's gone through a couple of revisions. It has been owned by a couple different studios, basically. Uh, right now the producers are, uh like looking for a director to attach to it,
0: that's pretty serious that's that's per that's progress yeah, yeah, it's not um
1: yeah, I think it's with something like that, it's like it um there are many years in which you're like it could happen, and eventually like you get to the point most likely where it's not going to happen. um we have not reached that point yet, so we are still in the phase where this could happen.
0: Oh, well, fingers crossed for you, Josh. Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It was uh, fun chatting.
0: Thanks so much to Josh for stopping by. His book, again, is called Just Don't Fall. His website is joshsunquist.com, and he's also on Twitter at Josh Sundquist. All this information and more back at somoneypodcast.com where you can download the audio as well as the transcript. And also if you click on Ask Farnoosh, leave me a question for the Friday episodes. Still searching for really fun co-hosts. If you're not shy, you like to talk about money and you've got some money perspectives, I invite you to co-host. Just go click on Ask Farnoosh and uh, let me know you're interested. Thanks so much for tuning in everyone. And I hope your day is So money.